Hi everyone, and welcome back to From Scribble to Skyrocket, a podcast about preparing for change and where I'm documenting my change for my sabbatical. So on the last episode, I spoke about the first time I skyrocketed, which was when I left my first job, my first corporate job. And the reason that was a big deal for me is because I sidestepped from a different field still within my industry but just from one field to another and also from a public sector environment to a private sector and consultancy environment to be exact. So if you haven't listened yet, I would recommend that you go back and listen because this episode I feel would follow on quite well from that. So I'm sticking to the subject of skyrocketing in the context of careers because I feel that it's just really important that these stories are shared because although there are no visuals, so hearing is believing, and you also come to realize that individuals that are skyrocketing don't have two heads. So hearing and learning from their stories might just be very inspiring. So today's story will be told by a special guest. So I met this woman via a mutual friend, and we usually see each other on an annual basis, which is our friend's birthday, of course. And so, yeah, so we're no strangers to each other. However, this past year, I really got to know her rather than just know of her and know who she is. But I just got to know her more on a personal level. And that's how I know how very kind hearted and strong minded she is. And also the amount of gems that she's going to drop for you. I personally find her really, really inspiring in loads of different ways. And if not for her... I would have kept this podcast completely anonymous. No name, no face, no face, no case, none of that. You would not know who is speaking behind the mic. I would have loved to have done that, but she taught me about showing up, taking space and claiming my value. And yeah. It is my absolute pleasure to introduce to you Zainab. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you for being a guest on my podcast. How are you? How are you feeling? How's 2023 treating you? Um, I'm well. I'm, I'm doing very well, thank you. And 2023 so far has been good. It's, it's been a good couple of weeks. So yeah, I'm great. Thank you. Oh, good to hear it. Can you tell the listeners a bit more about yourself? As you mentioned, my name is Zainab. I am of Ugandan descent. For my day job, I am a Agile Delivery Manager and a Managing Consultant at a tech-first company. I specialise in customer experiences and digital transformation. I'm also the founder of Noncoded. So the reason I invited Zainab on the podcast for this episode is because I remember on our mutual friend's birthday, one year... Zainab arrived and she was really, really happy and over the moon because she just landed a job that she worked really, really hard in getting. And it was her dream job. And I remember she was saying, I worked really hard to get here. And she was really, really happy about that. And I I can't remember how many years ago that was now, but I always remember that it was a moment that you pivoted. And I thought, Well, that fits in quite perfectly because it was an intentional change Mm -hmm. that you made. It's something that you prepared yourself for, that you positioned yourself. And when the time came, you took that leap. So would you mind telling us more about, I guess, what it was, what your leap was, is, was, 
Uh, <laughs> and kind of like tell us your story. Tell us your story about the moment you realized the career tra- trajectory or the path that you were on wasn't the path for you. So I have a biomedical science degree um, and whilst I was at uni I realised I don't want to sit in the lab for for the rest of my life and I do respect biomedical scientists and people who who love lab work but it wasn't for me. Um, So at that time I thought I only had two options, um, either do postgraduate medicine or go down the biomedical engineering route. However, I didn't want to study for another six, seven years. Um, So at that moment, I decided um, there's a certain type of lifestyle that I want. Um, I want to have my weekends off. I want to travel a lot. And I do want to make a lot of money. With that in mind, um, and an interest in technology, and um, being told by one of our lecturers that I would be replaced by technology one day I um, decided to go down the route of trying to find a career in the tech space didn't understand technology didn't understand what role I was going to do in this space whether I was going to be a coder or a non-coder I just knew I think innovation and digital transformation was a space for me did you know how to get yourself into that space was there a lot of support or information out there that could help you like navigate to that space? So initially, no, um, I didn't know, but I am a big fan of Googling. So I Google everything and I knew uh, Google would be my friend. So that's what I done. I just sat there and typed in technology roles and loads of different careers came up. And I came across graduate programs which would allow me to start my career without coding or technical background. Did you apply for them? I did apply for quite a few roles. Unfortunately, I didn't actually get any of the roles that I applied for, but that didn't stop me. I just kept applying. Um, I applied for just day jobs as well in tech companies. Any company that would allow me to use my transferable skills, I applied. Um, I ended up applying to a tech company and they were looking for a social media executive and that's what I applied for as a social media executive and I got the role. Had you done social media before you applied? So I hadn't done social media properly in the sense that I had a paid job. At the time, I had my own blog, um, I was running my own social media account and I was really interested in becoming a a blogger or a YouTuber at the time and this is like mid-2000s, no, early two, wait, when was this? I mean, that's that's pre-social media. (laughs) Pre-social media, so I would say that was like 20... 2015, 2016, we were in the social media era, but not as big as it is right now. Yeah, not in the way that it can be like transferred to formal roles. Yes, and, and a lot of people weren't getting value. paid yeah. at the time. It was it was a new concept that people actually paying you. You were doing this because you were passionate. Um, so, and also at the time, there was a couple of people uh, that I was running their social media accounts on well, their Instagram accounts, really, and. I went into the company and said I can I can run your socials and they took a chance with me um, and I went in and I learned everything about social media on the job um, I learned what a content 
calendar was. I, I had no idea what this was prior to that. And <laughs> I sat there, I sat on YouTube and um, learned from, from loads of other people. So that's how I got my first role. That sounds really, really cool. And I take it you didn't stay there. How come you didn't pursue a career in social media? I especially, used... oh, sorry. I was going to say, especially as you got there it, quite early on, as when, you know, people were going, transitioning from unpaid to paid social media mm-hmm. works. So I can assume that opportunity in terms of career choice path was blank canvas almost. It was, but I had an ultimate goal. I wanted to use that role as a stepping stone into my my future because I couldn't get into the graduate role. So I had to find a way to get me into these tech companies, um, give myself that experience of working in a corporate environment as well. And if someone was going to pay me to do a social media role, I was going to take that role. And did you feel being so having that social media role but still being in a tech company did you feel that um, somewhat helped you in your preparation in terms of did it what value did you did that hold for you like on your cv or in terms of the chances like mobility chances so that was actually the most important role i would say that i've had throughout my entire career to date till today to date okay one because it was a, it was a small tech company but because it was so small we were allowed well the, the graduates or the entry level roles we were given the opportunities to learn about the business learn about other people's roles and one thing that i made sure that i'd done was always taking initiative always helping people who needed that support or they thought they didn't need the support but i was going to make sure i insert myself <laughs> <That's it. laughs> into these places that i am here to support and i i want to learn more and i think the ceo of the company as i said it was small so we had i had access to him he saw that i was really passionate and i wanted to learn um, so I did explore loads of different roles. I explored looking at becoming a, a software developer and being dyslexic, writing code. Uh, it, it, it just wasn't working for me. So I said, no, being a software developer is, is not going to be for me. I looked at becoming a UI designer, UX designer as well. I was interested in it. I learned how to use Adobe. Um, so for those that don't know, that's user experience and user interface, right? Yes, UX yes. and UI. Um, so I I learned how to use a lot of Adobe tools, um, Photoshop, Illustrator, but it wasn't for me. Um, mm. But I love I love working in in the custom experience um, piece, and that's that's where I work today. Um, and I looked at product management. I love product management and if I didn't go into project management I'll be in product um, but I enjoyed the side of project management around the planning and the people element which the other roles wouldn't give me and I kind of decided to focus on that and using the transferable skills that I had developed whilst I was at uni to help me mould myself into into this project management space. So how did you get into the project management space then? How, how did you transition? So yes, you were in the tech space as in 
you were working for a small tech company. Yeah. You had the oversight of the different roles, mm-hmm. which is quite cool because then you have everything on the platter. It's like a menu yeah. almost. And then, but ultimately at the time, your role was within social media. So how did you come out of that to move towards um, PM? So as I said, initiative was my was my key thing. And what I used to do is I would schedule all my social posts during the over the weekend that would give me capacity during the week. So I'd go over to the project managers and say, oh, do you need any support with this and that? And they'll say, yeah, do you want to update the resourcing sheet? Do you want to update the raid logs? And that's how I kind of got into this space. That's how I was introduced to um, waterfall project management and agile delivery and those general concepts. Um, So whilst I was supporting the PMs, um, I, I spoke to the CEO and I said, I, I really want to work in this kind of space, this project. And at the time, the, there were some of the roles were combined with product management. So I was like, I really want to work in this space. Um, and he was like, okay, we have a small support team. Um, would you like to manage them on a part-time basis as you're also doing a social media job? I said, yes, I just, I just took it. Did I know what I was doing? No, but I said, I'm going to learn on the job. <laughs> and that's, and that's literally what I done. And that's how I got my first role. Okay. So it sounds like you and the CEO had a good rapport. He clearly believed in your abilities. You know, you had a good track record. You showed initiative. He put you in charge to manage a project and to manage the support staff and at what point did you feel you gained enough project management skills to um, apply for a role, a more formal project management role external from the company that you were working at? To be honest, I would say, so I only felt like I had enough project management experience after three or four years of being a project manager because after I did get the role as a junior project product manager, after a couple of months, we were made redundant. And as a 22 year old being made redundant, I actually thought it was the end of my life. (laughs) I can imagine. (laughs) I literally thought the world was over. What am I going to do? And at that point, um, I was also friends with with a, a girl called Zoe and she was also made redundant and she was a, UX, UI um, designer and she was going to go and do her masters and I told her I I really want to go into project management. Um, She told me her dad um, was a project manager in this other tech consultancy and she will see whether you know they have any roles um, in that company and this is why I say sometimes your network is really important because that conversation that I had with her went on to to change my life because he did get me a a role um I did have to interview and um it was in a different department and um they liked me and they said yep we would love to have you we are going to create a role for you because we don't actually have a role at the moment that's how you know they like you like they did like me (laughs) (laughs) but with my crazy self I didn't actually take the offer huh no, I didn't take the offer. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Huh? I didn't take the offer. So during that whole fiasco of being made redundant, I also applied 
for his jobs and I'd updated my LinkedIn. So um, someone on LinkedIn um, messaged me and she was like, hi, we've got this great role going at a data visualization company. Um, would you like to come in and interview? I said, yeah, I, I can come in and interview. And the, the office was very far from me. It was like an hour and a half, still in London, but if you know London, like London is huge and you can go from north to south and it takes nearly two hours sometimes. So it was quite far, but I said, I'm gonna take, I'm gonna take the role. And um, I decided to go for, for the data visualization. <laughs> role as a as a junior pm and that was also a a great experience i learned a lot about myself i learned a lot about data visualization i got to work with amazing companies but that was only i decided that that environment the agency kind of environment um maybe wasn't for me Mm. so (laughs) with myself as I am I decided to message Zoe's dad and I said hi <laughs> wait, wait, wait you went back I went back oh my god <laughs> I, and that's the thing I, I do have a lot of pride but there's there's times when your ego there's no there's no reason to have an ego so I said what's the worst he's gonna say he's gonna say no the opportunity is gone you know let's i'll keep it moving sorry after they created a role for you (laughs) you went elsewhere (laughs) and then you came back i came back you know what that takes a lot that takes a lot because i'm a proud person as well so i can yeah i feel that that that, that's a lot yeah um but i think i left well when i said i'm I'm not going to take the role i made sure that i communicated why so I i told zoe's dad this is the reason why but thank you very much for opening this door um the the people who interviewed me at my company i told them as well thank you very much um i remember sending emails to everyone um just explaining i'm taking this other opportunity so when i did come back it wasn't like i had just disappeared and i left you know i left the door open and just like not had a conversation with them so i'd spoken to them and so when i came back to series dad and i was like Hi, do you remember me? Um, I'm thinking, can I come and work for that company again? And they were like, sure, great. Um, we want the only thing we'd need you to do is just come and actually meet the partner um, for for that for that business unit. And I went in and I interviewed, and he was like, yeah, I really like you. Um, we are going to create the role actually create it now and you can come in and work amazing that's the thing it's one thing networking and meeting people but it is keeping those relationships yeah. on good terms even yeah. after you know someone's gone out of their way they've done this they created the role and you were so clear about why you didn't want to take it yeah. still being grateful and appreciative mm-hmm. for the effort that they've put in and that is relationship building yeah no and that takes clearly takes you very far so during this period of transition and change did you have any concerns any fears or any doubts so i didn't have any doubts because i knew you knew the goal yeah i knew the goal i knew where i was going to go who i was going to be so i didn't doubt myself um at the time i did have quite a few fears um did i have enough experience did i have enough knowledge 
because when you're working in a um, technology kind of environment and to be honest I think in any sector um, when you are surrounded by loads of SMEs and you are quite junior they're speaking a foreign language and you're just like do I even understand what these people are saying Um, how can I become valuable or be of value to this company so I had quite a few fears in relation to that and I had a genuine concern around my dyslexia and how it would show up in a workspace. Being dyslexic, it's not something that you can avoid in life. Um, It's it's a challenge every single day. Um, It's a challenge in the corporate world because there is this expectation, everyone's spelling has to be perfect, everyone's grammar has to be perfect and when you have a disability that's associated with your spelling and your grammar and um, how you speak and um, your cognitive understanding and all of that kind of stuff, it's a challenge. So I was concerned about how this would appear in the workspace if I would be accepted. And on paper, you see everyone will accept you because legally no one cannot accept you. Um, but would I be shunned in my own way? Um, what's be... your experience been on that? Oh, sorry to cut you off. Did you feel accepted? I, I felt accepted in general, but um, there were times that I felt like people associated my dyslexia with my race. Um, because I won't say generally, but there are people on this earth who do think people who are black are less intelligent. So linking my intelligence with my dyslexia, um, and they are completely different things. Um, And sometimes you have to educate people on on that. And um, it occurred once or twice in my career, but it's something I'm still conscious of. Um, It takes me forever to sometimes send an email because I will write an email the night before to make sure that I can review it the next morning and just double check my spelling, double check my grammar, put it in um, different tools and applications to make sure that it's correct. Um, And that's just how I've had to cope in in the workspace. What was I gonna say after that? (laughs) I can't remember. (laughs) Yeah. But you found like a method that works for you. I don't have a method. Okay. I just, to be honest, sometimes just live day by day. I have, I have coping mechanisms, mm-hmm. um, but they're difficult. They're difficult. They weigh a lot on me day to day. As I said, especially around writing emails. Yeah. And the more senior you are, um, the more senior people you have to interact with. So um, making sure the way I'm communicating is effective. Because um, in my dyslexic brain, I might explain something, and I'm like, it, it should make sense. But to the average person, it, it doesn't make sense because of the way I've explained it. Um, also the way I comprehend information so just making sure that I prep enough for a meeting so when I go into this meeting I'm not having to do the comprehension that everyone else is doing in that meeting I've already prepped for it and I'm just coming in and just adding some extra stuff into my brain so for me to understand what's going on in the meeting Mm -hmm. so do I have a coping mechanism no but I've just found ways of 
make making it through the day yeah so from what you've shared so far it doesn't appear at least to me it doesn't appear like your dyslexia has held you back what would you say to those who have dyslexia and feel that their potential is held back by it well i need to be honest and say that i do feel as though dyslexia has held me back there have been opportunities um that have come round and I just don't feel confident enough because I feel like my dyslexia will be amplified in um, certain spaces especially when it comes to like public speaking even like doing this podcast as well (laughs) um, I would usually shy away from things like that because these are places dyslexia is really amplified Um, but in terms of the work um, space I I'm honest about my dyslexia. I make sure that I communicate this to my line manager. I communicate it to the teams that I lead. I communicate it to anyone who's going to listen to me. I let them know that I am dyslexic and it's really important that I do that to set expectations. So if you do see um, a A in the wrong place or a that in the wrong place or one might be missing, you're not thinking that I'm not intelligent it's just I am dyslexic and sometimes I can't see these things so for me that has been the reason why I've been able to excel because I am honest about my dyslexia I do not shy away from it but it is very difficult as a dyslexic person to um, make that choice to speak about your dyslexia yeah so for me that's that's the reason why I've been able to 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 get to where I am I'm honest about it but it has been a challenge yeah I bet and that's really interesting because I listened to another podcast of a black woman who is also um, successful and she's dyslexic and she has the complete opposite approach she doesn't disclose it until she feels secure enough within her role Mm -hmm. and then she'll disclose it yeah that's very but, interesting yeah so i find that really interesting so but you would say your advice to others would be to be honest yeah, about it be honest about it um there is a lady called pip jameson she talks openly about her dyslexia she is a, a founder of a tech network um i'm always reminded by albert einstein like he was dyslexic too yeah. and i think the more we talk about it as dyslexic people um people also become normalized by the idea that there are dyslexic people and it doesn't take away your abilities to be a good team member a good leader and sometimes we do make the best leaders and there's a lot of data out there to to support this and i i know there's a charity called um i think it's dyslexic associates and they've come up with the term dyslexic thinking and i think they're trying to get it on linkedin as a as a skill because we think in a different way um but just to also say, like, dyslexic people don't all think the same way. Just because yeah, we're yeah. all dyslexic, yeah. it doesn't mean our dyslexia is the same. Because uh, I have had someone say that to me. Like, oh, my daughter's dyslexic, but she's able to do this. Our dyslexia is different. and it's, There's a spectrum. There is a spectrum. Yeah. And all of us are individual people, so it affects us in different ways. Okay. So, bringing it back to your overall career journey... 
are you happy with where you are in terms of your journey is there anything you would have done differently so overall I am happy with with my journey and I think me having a alternative route into project management and worked in public sector um, in private sector has given me the breadth that I need in my workspace today and that's the value that I bring to to my organization would I have done anything differently I think outside of just my day job um, I think I would have applied myself more outside of work as well because there was a time that I was literally just on work mode um, I didn't see any friends <laughs> I think my friends just thought I didn't want to talk to them anymore but I was just I had tunnel vision just focusing on work and um, I think I would have built some more relationships um, with a couple more people who would have been even more important in my life if I um, paid attention to them at that time in my life so so yeah that's what I would have done differently throughout my career just built and maintained some of my relationships a little bit better so looking forward what's next for you so I am going to jump on the bandwagon of um, black girl luxury, uh, black girl in tech six figures. I'm just joking. Yes, amen. <laughs> what do you mean you're joking? Why are I'm we not, joking? No, I'm not joining the, the black girl luxury um, bandwagon. That's, that's just not me as an individual. But yes, definitely looking at the six figures um, kind of space. Also, I'm hoping that non-coded um, will be successful. Can you please explain to those who don't know, I know, but can you explain to the listeners what Non-Coded is, please? So Non-Coded is a community, a global community for non-coding women. Um, Our mission is to amplify um, non-coding roles by giving women the skills, the knowledge and the connections to lead in this kind of space. So yeah, that's what Non-Coded is. (laughs) And I'm hoping in December of 2023 that I will be able to host our first global event, hopefully in Ghana, um, having loads of non-coding women in that space because I know um, technical roles and non-technical roles are growing in, in Africa and there's a lot of investment there. So I want to make sure that women in Africa, in Ghana, um, feel supported that they have a network of people that they can talk to and get skills and knowledge on how to lead in non-coding roles. Amazing! That is very, very exciting. And I'm excited. <laughs> I, I'm excited for that. That is really, really amazing. So, where can people learn more, or how? Where can people find you? Where can they learn more about non-coded? So we are on all social platforms. So Instagram, TikTok, um, LinkedIn, Twitter, at non-coded. So N-O-N-C-O-D-E-D. But you can find me on TikTok or Instagram, zainab.n.m. And that's Z-A-Y-N-A-B dot N dot M. Yeah. And... Another place where you can um, find Zainab, because for whatever reason, Zainab has been way too humble, <laughs> way, but obviously she could share whatever, to whatever extent that she would like to share. 
But she's also featured in The Voices in the Shadow, which feature 50 black women in tech. Is that right? Yes, that's right. So, yes, she's got a two-pager. You can read her story there. And I'll put that in the show notes as well as her details, as well as um, where and how you can find non-coded and learn more about non-coded as well. I think it's an amazing platform because it does make you realise that it, you know, it helps you remove that perceived barrier of I need to have a coding background to work mm-hmm. in tech, whereas there are other professions and disciplines and skills within and roles that are not coding related, but still very important, just as Zena has been talking about her project management. But without that, it would still fall apart. So it's just making sure that people recognize that and should they want to transition into tech or into the tech space, that there are ways of doing that. Mm-hmm. So I hope you enjoyed listening to Zainab's story as much as I did. And feel free to get in touch with Zainab. Feel free to get in touch with myself by, via email, scribble to skyrocket at gmail.com or Instagram at scribble to skyrocket. And yeah, let us know your thoughts and speak to you soon. And Zainab, of course, thank you so much. (laughs) I've had so much fun. How can I even say thank you? This thank you has to come forward. But thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's been great. being a guest. I had so much fun. (laughs) It's been fun. I've I've had a lot of fun. So, yeah. Bye, guys. Bye.